This episode of After the Whistle contains profanity. Listener discretion advised. Please enjoy. What is that? Uh, is that a latte? Oh, it's a coffee. It's coffee with a little foam on top, but it's a coffee. You know how you have the you have the machine makers at home, and then you have the the, the whips up and steams the, the the cream or the almond milk or the you know whatever you're using. No, no, we don't understand what that's all about, Jr. <laughs> we have a coffee pot, okay, and we put some friggin' uh, coffee grinds in there and just hey, you know off. some people. Some people just refuse to come into the 21st century, Riv, you know, and you're just one of them. It's okay. Uh, it's all right. You no. know, you know, you know how much money I've saved by, by getting one of those, those homemade, you know, what do they call them? The curators or whatever they're called. I don't even know. What Keurig? Called, but you, you got a Keurig? Yeah. The Keurig. Yeah. You put the pot, you put the thing in, you just a little Nespresso and I bet you I save, I bet you I save. a year on coffee just by doing it at home rather than going to Starbucks. Easily. It's (laughs) Starbucks is so expensive. Okay. Like for coffee and yeah, it's like, I mean, you're spending at least, you know, three bucks a day for a coffee. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because back when Starbucks started, you know, you'd be crazy to guys, guys say, Hey, Let's let's open up a store where we're going to make really cool, creative coffees, and we're going to charge people five bucks for a coffee. Yeah, let's do that. That's going to work out well. And you know, and all of a sudden, boom. You know, but again, it's it's crazy. That's robbery. That is just robbery. They should be washing my car, and (laughs) me getting a coffee for five bucks. This. this is how I drink coffee at home. I make a, I use a, a French press. So yeah, that's actually really good. That's actually really good. Get all a couple flavor. of those, but it takes time. It's it's like I want instant. You shit boil and water, like, and then you got four minutes to let it sit. Yeah. Then you four yeah. minutes. It's like four minutes. Listen, it took me. It took, I me, have it took me thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds to get my coffee, and it tastes better than any coffee on the planet. So I don't care what, what they say. It's, it's all about ease. It's all about quickness, getting my coffee into my system so that I can actually function during the day, because it is the number one thing in the morning that I have to do or else I'm a pain in the ass. But do you not think that, that coffee, when you get it from Starbucks or Tim Hortons or Duncan's, do you not feel Shout out to the, the local coffee, shop here? Spot coffee. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. A little spot coffee, right? Do you not feel that the coffee you get there is just so much more tasty? I love Tim Hortons. I don't know about you guys, but when I go to Canada, I was just in Detroit the other day too. And I went to Tim Hortons because they had a Tim Hortons there. I will pick Tim Hortons over a Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or anything. But um, yeah, I think there's no question. It's For, for me, I, I'm, a, I'm a harder coffee guy. Okay, so I like having an, an, you know, a shot of espresso in my coffee, so on and so forth. Whereas Dunkin' Donuts, it, they, you know, it's just a little bit different. I don't know. Everybody has their own, own I, coffee. I just have to drink coffee. I'm a I'm a you, Tim Hortons I'll guy, man. I'm a Tim Hortons guy, and I, you know, and, and you know, occasionally you got to stop somewhere else or whatever. But I am, you know, my heart lies there. I, I mean, you get a double double, man. It just makes you happy. Yep. <laughs> so what happened? What happened? Oh, did you guys miss me over the last week? Because I, I, I'm sorry, because I would not have been any good last week playing in this golf tournament that I was in. It was a, it was a marathon of golf, a marathon of friends, a marathon of just, you know, eating and drinking and no sleep, and I, I just would have been worth nothing. But I miss you guys. Well, listen, I don't want to start on a somber note, but we haven't spoken to you since before the draft. So yeah. mm-hmm. very sorry to hear about your buddy Mush. Yeah. Bra- mm-hmm. uh, Brian Marchment passing away. Someone taught me one time in, in broadcasting, don't start a show with uh, you know a, 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 a sad conversation. But, I, I mean, I don't give a shit. That was your friend. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, you told funny stories on here about him, you guys going nuts to butts in the game on the motorcycle in Chicago. And fuck, just a few weeks ago or a month and a half ago, we had asked you to say, hey, you think you can get uh, Marchman on with us sometime? Like, it's just, what a crazy world. And I just, you know, we thought about you right away and we're we're sorry that uh, you lost your buddy. Yeah, again, it, it, show, it shows you why you have to live life to the fullest every day and, and, and love, love the people around you and a lot of things that we complain about and a lot of things that we're seeing that bother us and, and you know, that bring us down. You have to take advantage of being here in every sense of the word. And, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up because Mush was, he was like my brother. I think I told you that he was the only person that I actually cried for cried about when he got traded you know it's that i mean that's how close mush was to me and he would call me you know once every couple of weeks at like 12 o'clock at night he'd facetime me and just you know he had a whiskey in his hand and and a dip in and he was just just wanted to talk hockey still um but I, i'm gonna celebrate his life i obviously he left us too early but he was he was just he was just a real real person you know no no, you know, no flamboyant whatsoever, no flash and dash. What you see is what you get. You know, he, 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 he dressed as just as casually and as, um, as, you know, low key as he could. And he just, he just loved the game. So, you know, I'm gonna celebrate his life. And unfortunately today is his, um, is his, uh, his, his celebration of life. And, it's it's been so, it's so quick and i'm in san diego and he's all the way up in canada and there's, there's no way that i can get there but i'm gonna make a huge donation to one of his one of his charities that he loved and i'll just go sort of celebrate him so thanks for starting with even though it's it's a it's not it's somber but he was a great man great man well he deserved it and i thought uh I thought Mike Greer, what he said at the draft was absolutely like what an introduction as a general manager to the league. You know what I mean? The guy stands up at the draft to make his first pick ever as a general manager. And he has to do that. He, you know, his first day on the job really. And he's got to talk about one of his scouts dying the night before the draft or whatever, you know what I mean? So, or the day before. Um, That doesn't surprise me. That doesn't surprise me about Mike Greer. I mean, that's why I think that pick for there is going to be great. He's again, he, Mike Greer is very much cut out of the same cloth as, as Brian Marchment, right? So, um, yeah, and I was really happy that that most of the teams also um, paid their yeah, acknowledged yeah. it. I think there was only one team, maybe two teams that didn't. You know, uh, I can't remember the teams off the top of my head, but fuck them anyway. Yeah, well... Sad, sad day. You know what, Riv, didn't you have like an unbelievable scrap with him? I did. I did. Um, it was he, when he was playing with Tr- Toronto Maple Leafs in, uh, in, uh, in Toronto. And, uh, it was, uh, it was an interesting one, you know, like Marchman is, was, he was that guy that, uh, he, he played so many facets of the game so well, you know, he was very feared. By a lot yeah, of guys had, in the you, league. You had to keep your head up and know that he was on the ice. Yes. He was a seek and destroy type player. He knew exactly what his role was. Um, he was an exceptionally good defender. Um, he kept guys honest. And, uh, you know, you know his, his early years and, and mid-years, like he was fighting literally the biggest heavyweights in the game and, and uh, doing exceptionally well. He was just kind of like, almost had a bit of a screw loose, right? He was just mm-hmm. as tough as they possibly came. And in a game against Toronto, um, there was a scrum that kind of ensued along the boards in our zone and uh, a lot of chirping going on back and forth, you know, in the pile. Cause all, all 10 guys were in there and I, probably was saying something to to uh you know marchy and uh he cold cocked me just bam across the pile and just obliterated my nose (laughs) it was (laughs) bleeding all over the place like a stuck pig i should have went off and got those like little 
things that they stick up your nose to stop the bleeding because it was just pouring out in the box, right? I'm spitting blood all over the place and yelling across that marchman. I was telling him, like, we're going as soon as we get out of the box. We're going, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was thinking to myself, I don't know if this is a good idea. Now that I was sitting there longer, because when I got in there, I was just, I was in total rage, right? I literally didn't care who I was fighting, what was going on. I was just in rage. And when I, as soon as I got in there, I'm like, we're going as soon as we get out of the box. <laughs> this, and a lot, a lot of other, you know, things that were said but the longer i sat there in the box wiping the blood away from my nose i was thinking to myself what am i doing what what did i just do now that i'm now i'm in the box for like eight ten minutes right waiting for this five minute or this this uh two minutes to be be over with and uh finally we get out of the box and just right at center ice drop the mitts and just start pounding each other and we both beat the crap out of each other it was a super long fight. I'm watching it right now. Didn't did he? Your nose is friggin' gushing blood. It it was still gushing blood when I even before I even fought. But you know, it didn't help that I got punched in the nose. I don't know how many more times, but all I know is I just you know threw what I had to throw and take what I had to take and and get through it. And uh, I remember after that fight, we both went off the ice because it was it was a end of a period. And, uh, when I came back on the ice and this was actually really cool, this, this gave me like chills, Ty Domi, who like, he scared the shit out of me. Like he just scared the shit out of everybody, but he's like Stu Grimson and guys like that, who I saw on the ice did not scare me as much as what Domi did. And the reason for that is I knew that I was never fighting Stu Grimson. I was never going to fight Tony Twist. I was never going to fight Bob Prober. I was not going to fight these guys ever. But because of Domi's size, it, it, it's weird. I would not, I, not that I wanted to do it. I would do it because I would have felt like I would have had you, 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 as your teammate, I will look at you and tell you, you have to fight him. If you're going to go around and play, if Ty Domi comes up to you, Stu Grimson, I'll take care of him. I don't want to take care of him. Okay. I don't want you to do anything stupid enough that Grimson's going to want to have to fight me. Yeah. But Ty Domi, you do something. He comes after you. Fuck you. You're on your own. Yeah. But the problem, well, the, that did the happen problem, one time in Montreal where I absolutely was all over Matt Sundin. I played against them all night. I was chopping them. I was sticking them. I was hitting them and I ended up absolutely blowing them up right by the Toronto uh, bench in Montreal. And, and I could see out of the corner of my eye, look back and he's Matt Sundin's getting up. Domi grabs them and jumps over the board and Matt's goes over and now I turn and Domi's coming at me and I'm thinking, here we go, here we go, here we go. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. All of a sudden, the angel comes flying across Shane Corson. And yeah, Shane Corson it. went toe to toe with, with Ty Domi. And I'm thinking to myself as this fury of two warrior men, like just smoking each other. I couldn't believe it. I went up the court. I'm like, I'm just like, oh my, of course, I can't even, I, I can't tell you what that means to me, right? Because I'm going to, now, I'm not stopping. Because if I've got guys that got my back and I've got their back, then I'm going, I am going to be like tenfold and, and, you know, go after all their top players when I know that I'm, I've got backing, right? So the problem, anyway. the problem that I, the problem that I saw with Domi, is how how do you feel that you beat this guy? Because he was one of the few people, and his head is made of Teflon, right? Yeah. So, and you you punch him in the head. Not only do you hurt your own hand because his head is just is ridiculously um strong, but when you hit him in the head, he he likes it and he starts to smile. No matter how many times you hit him. You hit him again. He's like, <laughs> yes. And then he throws these little jackhammers at you. And like, even if you hit him really, really hard, 
he just he 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 gets more excited and more happy. How do you beat a guy like that? I fought him, AJR. So oh. I so so I fought him my rookie year, and I want you to go watch this fight after because I did an I did a an Emmy award winning documentary interview with Ty Domi and Rob Ray about all their fights. Okay, and it won an Emmy. In case you don't, I have an Emmy award. But anyway, so um, that being said, they'll pat on my back. I fought him. And I said this to him when I saw him. I go, hey. I go, do you remember that fight we had? He goes, oh, yeah. I said, were you out cold when I fucking drilled you with that uppercut right off the start? Because I thought I one-punched Ty Domi on Hockey Night in Canada. Like, never been done before. I swear to God, if you watch this, I grab him and I take two steps like with my back foot and I fucking throw an uppercut and I swear to God, he's out. I, I still believe he's out cold in midair. And he argued with me about this. Like, I was like, we don't have to fight anymore so I can argue with Ty about this all I want. I said, I fucking knocked you out, Ty. As soon as he hit the ice, I tried to jump on top of him and kind of bear hug him and just end the fight. He slid out and got up and watered, and now he starts throwing punches again. And I'm like, what, what just happened here? And I had, I swear to God, I had his left. When you watch this fight and you break it down slowly, I had his left. He was one more pull away from ripping my pinky finger off of my fucking hand. Okay. That's how hard I was holding his left because I've watched him fight for years. I've seen him knock guys out with that left. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like holding on and somehow we spin around. He is by far the toughest, toughest hockey player to ever play, ever play. If well, he were six, four, he would have, he would have killed somebody on the ice. I think that's a, what you're saying is I don't think there's anybody that played against Ty Domi that's going to refute that, uh, you know, that comment about him. And I think one thing that you're going to, that Ty doesn't get enough credit for is that he could play the game. He played a he played he played a regular shift. He he at one time he played the most playoff games of any other Toronto Maple Leaf ever. Yeah. I mean, do you know what he do you know what he said to me after my rookie year? He walked up to me. We played them the second last game of the year. We were on our way to Montreal or something like that. It was the last time we played them that year. It was my rookie year. He walked right up to me. Standing outside, I was talking with my parents. My uncle Will was in town because uh, he was a Leaf fan. He, you know, Ty Domi comes out of his way, comes up to me to, and my family, pulls me aside and says, "Hey, you made you made the league." He said, "Now he said, whatever you do to stay in this league, always get faster, always get faster." He said, "You can skate, you can fight, you can play." get faster, get faster, get faster. I took that to heart. Like he came up to me yeah. and gave me advice as to how to try to stay in the league longer. So we yeah, got a little bit faster. He's a great, I didn't he, get a lot he's faster. A, he's a great man. He's a great man. I love Ty. He's Tony. a great he's, man. Yeah, he is. He's, he really is. He's he really a great is. man. But, but, uh, but anyway, thanks for the much stuff. Thanks for the, you know, for all that stuff. It was, um, I, did you, were you guys happy with the draft? I mean, I really didn't give a shit about the draft, but. Um, yeah, you know, we, we, we've, we've talked a lot of draft. I mean, to be honest with you, you know, there, there's a bigger, the, if you want to talk draft, we can, but there's a bigger thing going I on. I just, I just want to, I just, I just loved, I mean, I didn't see much, but I just loved how that, that, that kid gave the glare, you know, you, you did like that. that. I like that. Jane Wright, you like the stare down? Yeah. I like the stare down. Just, just that one, that one last, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. I'm going to fucking get you. Now, do I'm you believe you. that he said he went on, he was at the Mariners game and he went on the, uh, on Sportsnet, they were playing the Jays and he went on Sportsnet and did an interview and he said to the guy, no, I didn't give a stare down. I was just looking at the camera, but he went over like, it was like he was screaming. <laughs> Look, you're giving me the stare. <laughs> I don't buy yeah, it either. I'll, I said I'll that to Craig. Stare. I go, bullshit. Okay. If he's staring he stare at the camera, then he goes like this. And then he goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The white pearly teeth are smiling with Gary Bettman. Soon yeah. as it stops, he gets into a death stare. And where was Montreal? Right in front. Right there. And he took two steps forward with that stare right there. I mean, that was, I thought that was really cool. I thought that, and I'm surprised that two more teams passed on him after that. So there's got to be something about this kid, right? You don't, you, you don't get passed up by three three teams 
if you're that if you're that well um, there were reports about a rumor but i did say the other day i did say the other day that i got a scout knife and craig and i our conversation rolled past and i and yeah. it's funny that it's coming up i i got a text from a scout from one of the teams that passed on him and and everyone and everyone thinks that it's it, people are afraid to criticize a kid like this to criticize his game no one's going to criticize his game everyone thinks his game is amazing Everyone thinks that he's the greatest player in the world. He's good at everything, but he, this is what the scout told me. Craig, you, you, Craig, it's, it's funny. You already said this, but this, this guy messages me and starts writing. And he's like, this is why, because he listened to our episode. And he goes, this is why we didn't take right. And he said, he's good at everything, but there are nights. He said, go look at his stats when he played against bad teams in the OHL. Shredded it. Go look at his stats when he played against the elite teams. Not as good. Okay, like go look at his playoff numbers. Go look at he said there are nights that we watched him as a group and he looked like a fourth liner. He said, yeah, he had moments where he could do stuff in close or he did fancy shit and he could. He said, but he looked he looked no different than a fourth liner. He said, then you see him on nights where he looks like a superstar. He said, then you see him two nights in a row and he just. And he's just a, uh, you know, he again. He's like he does everything well. He, he was, is, is he the is he the guy that scores a six and seventh goal in a seven to seven to two game? <laughs> yeah, but he might also get you the first and second one too. He'll get you one and two and eight and nine. You know, you know what I mean. But the game's you know nine five. Yeah. My but, my well. my only concern with 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 Shane, um, because you know, listen, I mean, he he is a world class hockey player. There's a reason why he went to the OHL at age 15 with exceptional status, meaning like you have to go through a long process before they allow you exceptional status. It has only happened three times. Eight, no, it's, it, it's happened seven or eight times, I think. Um, and Shane Wright was one of those players. And when he was 15 years old, like I'm talking, he's just a baby. He's a kid. He scored 39 goals, 66 points in 58 games. That's, that was better than McDavid. It was better than Stamkos. I think it was almost eerie, the, the comparison to Connor McDavid at the same age. But then Shane Wright has one entire year off. Doesn't play a game in the OHL. Doesn't go over to Europe and play. He basically is in Ontario, sitting at home, basically training probably in his basement, and he didn't get the opportunity to continue to push and develop on on the ice. And then you fast forward into the start of this year. He had a very average year. He had 63 points in 63 games played. He had 32 goals, 94 points. Yes, a lot of points. But it's not about the points. It's about what, what you're saying, Petey. It's about what you're saying. Those 60 of those points probably came against, you know, bottom 10 teams in the league. How many points did he have against the other top-end teams in the league? And yep. I just don't think he had a very good year. I, I, at the start of the year, he was really bad. Like, I mean, not Shane Wright-esque. Yeah. My concern with this kid to the thought of uh, of the first overall, uh, uh, what's his name? Help me out, Petey. Slavkovsky. Uh, Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky, even at 6'4", 230, has a, t- a tremendous amount of more growth. Where Shane Wright, he, he's very good at everything he does. He's kind of like a P- Patrice Bergeron. He's very good defensively. He's very good offensively, but moving and translating all of those things into the NHL, I think he's going to have a harder time putting up points. I don't, I don't know that I ever, I, you know what? I don't know, JR, that I'd ever uh, draft a guy these days that can grow a full beard because then there's, they're, they're fully mature. Well, like his, he had a full beard at 14, 15. You know what I mean? It's oh. like there's no, there's no room for growth there. Like he's already a man. That's how they. That's how they. That's how they were back in the late '80s, early '90s. They looked like they were forty back then. Nowadays, <laughs> you, should, nowadays you should be. You shouldn't even have a hair on your nut, let alone get. get you know. Well, Jr. Let me let me bring something up to you. Let me ask your question on this. There has been a discussion 
that has come out that the the possibility of moving the draft age from 18 to 19, giving another year of development for a lot of these players. Because how many how many players in this year's draft in particular, which is like these kids are more ready in the last 10 years than they, they've ever been. How many of these kids are going to play in the NHL next year? None. And I, there's you're, no question. Well, you're going to have no question. Listen, did you talk, hear that we, Montreal might be sending Slavkovsky back to junior? Good. They want him to play in the be OHL. Amazing. What did I say about Shane Wright? He should go back to junior too. What were we going to say, JR? I think we had a, a conversation about this, um, you know, a few a, a few months back um, about changing the age of the draft, and I think all of us were in in agreement. I think what's what's why why at eighteen? I, I don't. This is such a big boys game now, and when you have two extra or at least another extra year to be in junior, and the chances are you're going to go back there anyway. Why, why draft at 18? You know, the kid's still not fully developed yet. They still have a whole year of development. That's actually a big year in terms of your, your mental growth, your physical growth. And if you're drafting at 18, you're taking a bigger chance rather than you give him this kid one more year to develop and see if he continues to go at the pace that he is that he's going domination wise if he changes his body. You know what the difference from 17 to 18 was for me? 6'4", 178 at 17. Okay. 6'4", 199 at 18. How about this guy? How about this guy? Oh, yeah, I forgot. You played in the NHL at fucking 163. At at 18, (laughs) when I got drafted at 18, I was 5'10", 155 pounds. Okay? When I got drafted. A year later, after I'd finished my first year pro, which I played half in junior and half in the National Hockey League, I was 5'11", 175 pounds. Okay? That's 20 pounds difference. And I had a huge year in in my, in in 89, 90, right? Whereas just wasn't ready at 18. Doesn't matter where you're coming from physically. I mean, I, I, I struggled, but, um, it's, it's, I totally, I told this, there is no reason why they shouldn't move it to 19. None. There's, you can't give me a, a good solid reason where I can give you three or four why they should. I listen, I think 20, I know you guys are 20. Imagine the draft age was 20. Now you can draft players that can actually insert in your lineup. Yeah. But listen, this is just our, Nash Hockey is not going to do anything that actually makes sense. Right. <laughs> um, so, so let's, let's talk some, some current NHL right now. Um, big story about a couple of American kids that are playing up in Canada. I mean, Johnny Goudreau just left and I, I don't want to go there just yet. Cause I really want your thoughts on that. But yesterday reports are that uh, Matt Kachuk could want out of Calgary. And it's interesting because Craig and I just had a conversation the other day about, I, and we've had it before with you, American kids playing in Calgary, Edmonton, or even Canada for that matter. I don't think I don't think Johnny Goudreau wanted to stay there. I think he wanted to come back to the States wherever he could go. I mean, he went to Columbus, but you know, now Matt Kachuk could be wanting out of, of Calgary, and people are like, why, why does this guy want out? Why would he want out? I mean, there are I can give you 50 reasons. Calgary's a great place to play, but I can't give you 50 reasons. I'll tell you right now. You have a team that that is as good as Calgary was this year, number one. Um, You have a city that is one of the more beautiful and fun cities to live in. Uh, I I mean, I don't know what you guys think about Calgary, but I I love Calgary. I love, even though I'm not a country music fan, which is big country up there. um, It's a great, vibrant city. It's real close to Banff. Uh, they got great sports fans, great restaurants. Uh, it the only thing that this could be is uh, a coaching relationship between player and, and coach. I think that could be the only thing that would be making Matthew Kachuk 
And I, that makes me really weird because I would think that Matthew Kachuk and Sutter would be like. I think Craig's going to di- differ in, uh, in opinion here. Well, he might. That's good. That's what this show is all about. But, well, let me, I mean, let me, let me well, go Matthew here, Kachuk JR. Just, Matthew Kachuk just had his best season of his career, right? I mean, he, he just lit it. He lit it up. Oh, and you're opening the door, JR. You're opening the door for a beatdown, JR. Put and your head gear on. Who, who did he play with? It. Well, he played with Johnny Goudreau. I, I, but, but you Johnny Goudreau you didn't let me finish prime my, of, you, you didn't go let ahead, me finish Jay. my statement. My <laughs> statement is, my statement is, yes, I think Matthew Kachuk, I think a lot of his, his success was of who he played with. And if he doesn't have that, and he sees the team going the wrong way in terms of its, of its uh, ability to win a cup and then its ability for Matthew Kachuk to thrive, then he's not going to stick around, especially as an American kid. He's not going to stick around and deal with a declining team when he wants to win a cup. Um, that's kind of what I see. Yeah, he's not going to stick around because he wants to go to St. Louis. But go ahead, Craig. That's my well, that's my theory. I think he wants to go to the states. It's just my opinion. You, I, I feel sometimes that uh, American. But why? But why? I, I, I they're getting paid in American money. It's not like the the, the dollar is is different and what they're getting paid. Um, well, I remember you know, playing with a guy in Montreal years ago, and I remember that there was there were some american wives on the team um good friends with myself and 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 my wife and and they complained a lot about the difference in going to the grocery store finding the labels that they have grown up um and being used to eating certain certain foods certain labels well, that, and the these food are shitty excuses labels well, listen food, I, I, that's I mean the, fine. i am just going to the smallest of areas okay not talking about the money not talk about this i'm talking about the little things of why maybe an american born you know player and his wife now all of a sudden are 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 just kind of like maybe nitpicking and saying i would i would like to be in in the states I could see if you're if you're Matthew Kachuk and you look at what has happened in Calgary and this team two years ago played horrendously bad. Johnny Grudraw had a very off season. So did Sean Monahan. Um, and now all of a sudden this last year, you know, Kachuk had his best year in the National Hockey League. So did Johnny Goudreau. So did Elias Lindholm. They had tremendous amount of success as a team. But now all of a sudden, they lose a they lose a piece in Gerbranson. They lose an absolutely monster piece, not only just in a player, but as the as a face of the entire organization. And how did they let it get to this? And now they're sitting there with their pants down around their ankles, and they don't know what to do. And you have Matthew Kachuk, who's going to sign on to a Calgary team that has Michael Backlund's 33, Milan Lucic is 34, Blake Coleman's 30, Tyler Toffoli is 30, Trevor Lewis is 35. Where is the young youth that is going to be coming up with Matthew Kachuk? He doesn't see it, and he doesn't want to be there because he's 24 years old. And why would I go and sign a big long-term contract with Calgary when I can just hold out a little bit longer. And in two years, I can, I can write where I want to go. What's he going to get in arbitration? Well, is that it though, Rick? Was, was that it? Was that your only point that you want? Like, I think, I don't think he wants great, to play with a, Calgary. I a, think he sees point. the writing on the wall with this team. And Branson's gone. Goudreau's gone. What's that? So I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I think Matthew Kachuk has made a lot of money very, very early in his career. And I think he's making his, he's going to make his, uh, his decisions not based on money right now, but based on is he going to be able to win a cup? Because he's got a dad that was one of the best, one of the best goal scorers in NHL history and one of the best captains that never won a cup. 
right? And I'm sure his dad is sitting there, you know, saying, you know, you, you've got your money. A cup is is what you need. So it's. I don't think it's a money. It's not going to be a money thing for for Matthew Kachuk because he's going to make a ton of it in his career, and he knows it. And yeah, K- so Kachuk Enterprises think, is doing pretty well. I think we can all agree yeah. on this. Anywhere he's going to play, and I mean anywhere in all 32 teams, he's not making a dime less than nine million. Can we all agree on no, that? For sure, 100%. okay. So he agree. came off. He came off. He signed a three-year deal for seven million dollars a year, but um, the contract in the way that it was set up was that he made five million, then seven million, and then this last year, the last year of his deal, he made nine million. That means that just in order to keep his rights, do you not have to qualify him at nine? Yes. Yeah, a little bit more than nine. Yes. 10% okay. of what your previous contract is, right? So it's so 10 nine. million, basically. It's 9.9 million. So now yeah. Calgary yeah. has, has um, you know, they, they have his rights. And what they did is where 99% of players out there want to go to salary arbitration because they want to fight their case because they have the numbers and they feel confident. Matthew Kachuk didn't want to go to arbitration because he, if he goes to arbitration, that means that there's teams out there that cannot put a um, offer sheet offer sheet. If the team sends him to arbitration, correct? Yes. So the team elected to put him in arbitration. Now there's no teams out there that can offer sheet Kachuk. Okay. And um, you're asking how much is Matthew Kachuk going to make? I don't know. He came off a 40 goal season. He had 104 points. He was plus 57. He's a six overall draft pick every year in the league. He is, he is producing points, but it's not even just the points. It's the intangibles that go along with what he does and how he plays. He's a leader on the team and he's only 24 years old. How much money is this guy going to get? Yeah, it's going to make a ton. That's it. And it's going to make a ton. So it's going to be interesting, but it's definitely going to be Calgary. Calgary had a great year this year, but sayonara. Well, let me, let me, let me turn this in another direction, JR. If you're the Calgary flames and you literally just lost an absolute monster in this league and Johnny Goudreau. Okay. Johnny hockey is, is known as Calgary flames. Okay. This little tiny of little kid yep. that's using a kid stick. He's using like a 77 flex or a 67 flex when he came into the league. And we're all laughing at him. He was like, this kid's going to get killed. This kid's not going to be able to survive. Well, he did. And he's really freaking good. But he's no Johnny Hockey anymore of Calgary. He's elsewhere. If, if Calgary Flames are looking at their roster and looking to make some turnover because the age of their team is very concerning. What do you, what do you, what is the what are you going to have to pay? What are teams going to have to pay to acquire a Matthew Kachuk at this point? Oh, tons! Like tons. And I will tell you this: it it, it, it kind of reminds me of the situation Chicago is in. Like you, they gave up a DeBrinket, who is their top scorer, and probably in his prime, and they do it because they have to rebuild. And the best best player right now that they can get the most for, maybe even more than Patrick Kane because of Patrick Kane's age, you get rid of your best goal scorer and Debrinket. So now you're going to get rid of to get rid of a guy like Matthew Kachuk who scored 40 goals, who is one of the toughest, one of the most um, annoying and grinder smartest players in the game that plays every aspect. I mean, you're going to have to give up. You're going to have to give up two draft, two first round picks at least to get this kid. Well, it's it, honestly, he, you're getting, they're going to get the same return that Buffalo got for Jack Eichel. They're going to get a high, high player. They're going to get a good player like an Alex Tuck. You're going to get a prospect like a Peyton Krebs. You're going to get a first round pick and you're going to get probably a second, round pick. A second, a second rounder round pick. or another, or another, Prospect, I think you're gonna. I I mean, maybe another first rounder. It's gonna be way more. If if you look at an offer sheet, 
if you look at if you look at an offer sheet, yeah, that's right. He had the, he had the neck injury. If you look at an offer sheet, I think I don't know what you have to give up if you sign a guy for over ten point something million. But I mean, it's like three or four first rounders. At least it used to be. Like, do you yeah. do you think that this is a good deal for Chicago? A first rounder for DeBrinket, a second rounder, and a third rounder. Is that worth the forty goal score in this league? No, it was it, it was it was it was it was massively surprising. And not only not only did they give up their best goal scorer, Riv, for probably not enough to get back, but they also lost the attention of their star player, number eighty-eight. Okay, they lost. I think they lost Patrick Kane in his desire to still be in Chicago because Patrick Kane and DeBrinket are like this. And they always said, if one goes, we both go. So now, now what does Chicago do? Right. Because did, Hey, did Patrick Kane ever ask for that trade? Like um, the rumors, the rumors were flowing around. Probably because why wouldn't he want out of there? Like they've done their time there. I mean, it's, it's over. They've had their run. The player, it, it's a, it's a, re, it's, it's time for a teardown. I mean, yeah, but there's a lot of players like Patrick Kane, who's very, very, very cozy in his home in Chicago. Okay. Chicago is an incredible, an incredible city. And he has been there since he was 18 years old. You think he's going to ride this a thing? Perfect, a perfect, a perfect example is we all fucked up and were wrong mm-hmm. with Malkin, <laughs> right? Six million to stay in Pittsburgh. That shocked the hell out of me. So obviously he loves being where he is, and he doesn't want to move that mansion of his. I'm guaranteed it's just an ungodly, sick ass place that he's just like. I don't want to leave. I don't want to move my my kids, my wife, and go to someplace new. I'm I'm happy here. We're going to be super yeah. competitive. It's going to take a year for a guy like that to get settled. Then he's got two years left. I mean, it's I don't know. But you look he, at Patrick he, Kane right now. He's sitting there looking around like, okay, my my winger DeBrinket, who just scored forty goals, is now gone for like n- not a whole lot, not a lot. Okay, a first, second, and third rounder for a forty goal score at twenty four mind-boggling then you look at okay where's my centermans kirby doc a third overall pick is Mm -hmm. gone Mm -hmm. traded okay what happened there oh then he looks and then he finds out that kobalik who scored 30 goals two years ago did not even get a contract offer and you have ryan strome who is their other centerman doesn't get a contract offer these are guys that put up like Ryan Strom, how many how many points did he put up last year? Dylan like, Strom. Dylan Strom. Did he put up 50 points? Like I don't know. I I can't tell you that off the top of my head to be honest with you. It's crazy. It's crazy what they did. Yeah. Now, and, and 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 you have you have the captain that's that's literally done. You know, he has one I, more year. He, right? I mean, I can year. see Taves. I can see Taves shutting it down after. But I think you guys and I, I don't, Jr. I'm not clear on what your stance is on Pat Kane just yet. If you think he stays in Chicago and goes back there, but to me, I think we're wrong about Pat Kane. I think Pat Kane has this vision of truly being the greatest American-born player of all time, and I think I think a guy like that knowing that he still has game and knowing that the game is changing in his favor, right? I think he wants to win one, two, three more cups. I think he's got well, five, he, six he more definitely years. Does, he definitely doesn't want to go out of his career missing playoffs, right? Because, I mean, it's a great point by you. He's won his cups. He's, he's, done, he's got his trophies. Um, and you know, I, I just, I think it's not only just Americans, it's, it's one of the best players ever. Yeah. And know? maybe ever, you know, ever. And, you know, he's going to go down probably as the best, as the best American right now. I think he'll get caught by, uh, by Austin Matthews, but you know, Pat, Patrick Kane is, is he's got to protect his legacy. And you know what, when, when you get demoralized in your last, um, 
shit, your last f- five or six years of missing playoffs. Like I, I, I was in that same, I was in that same boat, you know, up until I got to San Jose where I, I became a fourth liner, but I had to, I had to kind of, you know, re reposition my brain and my, you know, my role, which was great at the time. But you, you, as Patrick Kane is looking at it, he wants to win a cup again. There's no question, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to go through night in and night out of losing and going home and then finishing his, his season in the beginning of April. He's had two, two, he's too illustrious of a career. And I totally agree that he can't. And you know what? If Patrick Kane is talking to the management and saying, this is what we need. This is what I want. And, and they're not doing it and they're not listening to him. Then he's, See you later. No, I'm out of here. No playoffs last year. This is not an indictment on him. I'm just telling you his circumstances in Chicago. No playoffs last year, none the year before, nine the year before that, but that was the year they did the play-in and the COVID round. Then they surprised and beat Edmonton. I called that, by the way. I said Chicago was going to win that series. Maybe the only person in the fucking world. No playoffs the year before that. No playoffs the year before that. So technically, he's been on a team five, five years that is not a playoff team. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm oh. sure he's sick of it. I'm sure he's sick of it. Is and Kane in the uh, opening night roster for Chicago this year? I say yes. I say yes. Cause I don't think Chicago, I don't think they'll as many changes as the Hawks made. I think they're smart enough to understand that they need Patrick Kane on that ice to sell a ticket. There you go. I think there's no way they'd be they'd be committing committing, you know, ticket box suicide if they traded Patrick Kane. Even even though they have a much much better possibility and percentage. Like I've never seen it. This this stinks a tank, man. I mean, it is it is the most unbelievable tank job I, I I've seen in a long time, but do you not want to start out that, that rebuild by moving players like Patrick Kane? He had 92 points last year. He's 33 years old. This They'll move him play- out of the deadline. It's going to be an easy deal to move. I know it's 10.5 hit, but it's, it's 6.9 money. So no, man, I don't know, man. I, I we're talk, we're talking about one of the best players in the last 15 years in the in in the world right they they made a huge splash and and I was in Chicago 2 weeks ago and I will tell you there are a lot of mad people a lot of people say I'm not going to the games after they just got rid of the brinket now like I said and I'm going to just take it back and I I don't want to bring myself in into this but you know, history sometimes repeats itself. You know, they, they traded me in 1996, okay? And it caused a massive stir in Chicago and still does. I still hear people yell and scream and tell me that it's the worst thing they've ever been a part of in Blackhawks history. Then they got rid of a couple other players. They got, you know, rid of Tony Monty. They let go of Eddie Belfort. Chelly went to Detroit. And you know what happened to the Blackhawks? They had a 20,000-seat arena that, we're bringing in maybe 5,000 people. Okay. Um, that's, and, and because of that, you know where they ended up? They ended up last place in the league. And which is why they got Jonathan Taves, which is why they had the opportunity to win the lottery, which was crazy to get Patrick Kane. Um, and it took, and that was in 2004, 2005. It took them almost 10 years before they had the opportunity to get players like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. So I just think it's, and you know how much money that they lost between 1998 and 2003 or 2004? Holy shit balls. So it, you, they just got to be careful when you're, when you're messing with an icon like Patrick Kane that is the absolute sweetheart and probably arguably the most popular player in Blackhawks history next to Stan Makita and Dennis Savard. So 
I mean, you can even say he's bigger than Dennis Savard was. But I'm telling uh, you. I mean, can't you say that he's can't you say that he's the Bedard? No, no I'm just saying popularity. I'm just saying, I'm just saying popularity-wise, you go into that arena and you're around Chicago, there are more 88 shirts than any shirt on that hawk team. So I'm just saying they got to be very careful because it's still a business. And I know the Blackhawks are a very rich team. There's no question about it, but they got to be very careful with their fan base. I'm telling you. But let me tell you something, JR. I'm going to read out some statistics for you so you understand what we're dealing with here. Connor Bedard, okay? He had exceptional status in, in the WHL. He only played 15 ga- games that year. 15. He's 15 years old. He had 12 goals and 28 points as a 15-year-old in arguably the best junior league in the world. He follows it up this year at 16 years old. 62 games played, 51 goals, 100 points in the WHL. He goes to the world world under 18, has all of the best players Okay, the best players in the world. In four games, he had six goals and seven points. This kid's 16 years old. This is why Chicago did not, you know, offer uh, a contract to Ryan Strome. This is why they didn't offer a contract to Kubalik. This is why they're trading away to Brinkett for draft picks. They are rebuilding, and the they are, and they, the entire they are, focus they, is Connor real, Bedard. Yeah, they are rebuilding, and that's great with with Connor Bedard. But I can see the Kubalik, I can see the Strom, but I can't see the Debrinket. I can't see it. You got to keep Debrinket because Debrinket is really a big part of that rebuild. Well, I, I think what they're looking at, Jr. Even though he is twenty four years old, he did score forty goals. I think what they're looking at is in a year from now, one calendar year, when you go and look at Chicago and you go and look at their, their um, salary cap, they have Patrick Kane coming off at 10-5. They have Jonathan Taves coming off at 10-5. They have $3 million coming off at uh, and, and a Cecil or whatever. Max Domi, $3 million. They, they don't have anything on the books. They're, it's, they're going to be starting fresh. And if you sign DeBrinket, you're going to be paying that guy eight, nine million dollars a year. And I don't think that that's something that they want to want on their books. Jeremy. Can I ask you a question real quick before you ask me that? Yeah. Why, why, why did Johnny Goudreau go to Columbus? Paul. Oh. It's funny you asked that because I was just going to say, Jeremy. I swear to God, that one, that, uh, that really took me for a, a loop in my, in my question mind. Because he could I think it's because of his outside. wife. I think it's his, his wife. It has to be. His, there's something in Columbus or about his, his wife's profession as well. What is his wife? Which, uh, she's a nurse. Of some sort, and I don't She's know. A if, registered nurse, and I think there was. I think she was in Philadelphia, which is why he wanted to go. Why he wanted to go there. He just said on Spitting Chicklets the other day that he was very close to signing with New Jersey. He was trying to get that done, and then Columbus kind of came in at the end. So, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I think Columbus is a is a sneaky, sneaky place to play. You got great fans. It's a great, it's actually a great area to live. Um, you know, do they have the team that's, that's going to be that team that can, that can do great things? I, I don't know. Maybe Johnny's the, the big, the big change in that. But I think, I think way of life, if Johnny just wants to play and not have the scrutiny that he had in Calgary, it's a good place to be. Does he want to go to New Jersey or Philly where he's going to be? That's where he, where he grew up. It's going to be, you know, he's going to be in the papers every single day. I don't know. I, it was just, it surprised me. I, I, I don't mind it. It just surprised me. I was pretty shocked. 
And, so, and good for Columbus. Good for Columbus. I, I like that. I really like that organization. I like that town. And I'd, I'd like to see them. I'd like to see them do well, but I'll tell you why I was happy. He went to Columbus because it gives hope for, you know, non great. I I, I don't say non big big markets. They're a great market for their, for their size and how new they are. But I mean, it, it opens the eyes up to free agents saying like, I don't need to go to the New York's. I don't need to go to Tampa or Florida or great. It's a great point. You know, it's like, you know, it gives Buffalo some hope too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a great point. It really is. So, but I don't know. I just the, the question to tie though to to that conversation that we had the other day, and I don't want to keep regurgitating the same conversation, but I just think about a, another American superstar in Canada whose contract's coming up in a couple of years, and I just feel I I I don't know if awesome I want to see yes, like you can't. T- Toronto fans are so convinced he's going to stay. I am 1,000% convinced he's gone. I agree with you. I agree with you. That's not good that Jeremy Roenick is agreeing that Austin Matthews is gone. Go on. Why? Why do you think he's not going to be back there? Uh, because I think, it's, I think it's a lot of the same thing we're talking about. You're talking about a team that's one of the hardest places to play on the planet. You have more media scrutiny. You have more fan-based scrutiny, arguably to Montreal. I know Riv would probably say Montreal. But Toronto has more because they've had their, for the last almost 20, 18 years, have had zero playoff success. Now, I mean zero. Now, they've made the playoffs seven times, and they've lost or six times out of that 18 years, and they've lost in the first round every single time with teams that everybody expected that they were going to win a Stanley Cup. And to have that scrutiny in Toronto is monumentally bigger than if you did it in New York or Chicago. Or or, Arizona. Well, I don't don't see them going to Arizona, but – it's and and by the way, when you're the best player on the team, even oh. if he puts up goals and points, he's still going to take the brunt of the criticism, no question. And there's going to come a time where Austin Matthews, because he's made his money, he's made a shit ton of money. He's going to make even more money in his next contract wherever he goes. It's not about the money; it's about do I have a chance to win, and how is my life going to be away from the game because of all the shit that goes around playing in a city like Toronto. And I just don't think Austin Matthews is going to want to put up with it anymore. Why not Arizona? It just seems like this, like such a logical spot. I mean, I know they have the ASU. Why is, why is, why is he good? Yeah. Why is, is Austin Matthews going to go to Arizona and lose again and play in a 5,000 seat arena on a team that doesn't even pay their 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 rent, he can be the Babe Ruth of of the Coyotes, the house that Austin built. You know what I mean? Like show up there, no, they get just, the new no, ring. We just talked. We, we just talked about Patrick Kane wanted to be the best U.S. player of all time, and and about his you know how his That's legacy true. is going to his legacy is going to be seen. You don't think Austin Matthews wants the same thing? Austin Matthews wants to be the best, and in order to do that, he's got to surround himself with the right players and he has to put himself on a team that is going to give him an opportunity to win a Stanley cup, because that's the only way that you get to be the best American or one of the best all time players ever is to have those accolades on you. And I'm sorry, Arizona is not going to do this. And he, and yeah, hold on. by the way, he's not going to want to have to go back and play in front of mommy and daddy all the time, because that's going to be a pain in the ass. And you know, Austin Matthews likes he he, he he likes being in a hockey environment, just not the one where that they're they're going to lose it. Well, I think that we can all agree right now that Austin Matthews right now is basically one A one B in the National Hockey League, best player in the world, right? Yeah. He's a one A one B. Yep. You don't think he's going to go to Arizona? Nope. You don't think? that Austin Matthews signing a contract, not next year, 
and not the year after, two years from now, that Austin Matthews wouldn't entertain going to Arizona. You have, well, I think what you happens, the, what's going what's to happen is you're going to have to see where they are at that point, right? Are they going to have a new building? Are they going to have some, some fresh new faces coming up? Some, the draft picks that they, that they are, where they're sitting. And that's going to have a lot to do, right? They've got lots of draft picks. 2025, they have four second rounders. In 2024, they have three second rounders. In 2024, they have four third rounders. They have all their first round draft picks. They just recently this year picked up, you know, a fantastic, I mean, fantastic player in Connor Geeky. Okay. Big centerman out of the West. Um, awesome pick for them. The year before that, they picked up a guy named Dylan Gunther. You remember him? I was talking about him, Petey. Yep. He, th- this is another big kid, another great player, 91 points, 45 goals in 59 games. You look at what's going to happen in one or two years and them doing this properly. They also got Logan Cooley at three. I forgot to, I forgot to mention uh, Logan Cooley. Oh, I forgot about that guy too. This team <laughs> They also in got a couple Lambert, years, Lamaru, whose parents made out at the draft. That's the guy who's and he's six seven. He's just an absolute freak. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that a lot has to happen in Arizona in order for them to be able to uh, just one point. Him. Let me make this mm-hmm. point, Jr. Let me make this point for you. There was a guy in this league way, way back that was the best player in the National Hockey League. And he got traded out of a Canadian city Gretzky. to a market that no one even knew about hockey and, and what he did by signing in a city that no one watched hockey. And I look at Austin Matthews in two years from now, I can see him signing in Arizona because at that time, hopefully they have their shit together with their building. Hopefully they have these young guys, Cooley, Gunther, uh, geeky, and they have a, a, a tremendous amount of more young, super it's, high end. It, it's a great, coming. it's a, it's a, it's a great an, an analogy, but LA Phoenix, Janet Jones, Hollywood super or Hollywood star, Wayne Gretzky stars. It's, it's. I think it's much more of an easy trade for. They're uh, both for, hot. For, well, no, no they're both different. hot, man. I'm gonna tell you. You know as well as I, I do that I Arizona is sick, and I just want to go down there and hang out. <laughs> it is, it, I'm telling you, Arizona is a great, great place to live during the winter. There is no question. It's one of the greatest places to live. And, you know, they do have a, a good fan base, but they have to put that arena or get an arena that is in a, in, is in a conducive area for the, where the fans, where the hockey fans and the snowbirds live. If they do that, because when we were there in 96 through 2000, it was, it was hopping. I mean, it was awesome. It was the thing to do to go to Coyotes game, especially in the playoffs. Yep. They lost they lost that because of managerial mistakes and and building issues and where they put it and greed, money greed and all that stuff. They lost it. But I mean they could get it back by making the right decisions, but I'm telling you right now, the ownership that's there right now are a bunch of dumbasses. All right? They're a bunch of dumbasses <laughs> that have this team for the wrong reasons than owning a team to build a team to win a Stanley Cup. And until that gets rectified and they start making the right decisions managerial-wise, then they're always going to be in trouble. Period. That is a message directly to ownership of the Arizona Coyotes. Get your heads out of your asses, apparently, as if I, if I dissect that. JR, what's going on with the whiskey, man? You guys launched it. We've had a ton of tweets yeah. to the show saying that people have yeah. been ordering it. So I will say it's um, very happy that we, that we have all our product, and our product is in warehouse, and it's a, it is ready to be shipped. 
to certain places. We're using an online uh, company that, that I think goes to 30 different states. Obviously, we're not in all the states. Um, I'm taking it as a little slow roll because I want to I want to help I want to help build the brand socially. I want to help build the lifestyle. And I think um, we waited two and a half years for this. It is out. And then and, and thanks for, by the way, thanks for tweeting out the, uh, the website for it. Um, but we're going to be going bigger and harder as the months go, but it is, it is out for, and I think we should retweet the, uh, the, the, our whiskey wild.com and get it, uh, get it out there again. But, Again, we're we're it's a slow, slow, slow rollout that I'm really excited about. But it's awesome, man. We're getting a, amazing feedback from a lot of people who are trying it and ordering it, and I think it's only going to get better. Whiskey dicks coming to Buffalo. Yeah, we got to do that, man. We got to do yep. it. Yeah, we got to get a little, little. We got uh, to talk. Party. We got. We got to talk about when when we want to do that because I don't know if we want to do that when hockey's not going going on. I think we want to do something when hockey started, maybe in in training camp or the start of the season, uh, where people are really excited. So we got to find out what the good time for me to come to Buffalo and make my my. Tell you what, we'll do it the weekend of Ryan Miller's jersey retirement. Ton of guys are going to be in town. American born goalie. He's a huge JR fan. I'm a big, I'm a big Ryan Miller fan too. I know. When when is that? When is that? When is that? We don't have a solid date yet, but it's going to be probably, I don't know, November something. But I mean, we can piggyback off that for sure. That's the weekend. Tons of guys will be in town. Tons of people. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good time. Yeah. Good time to to, to uh, celebrate Millsy too. What a great great career that guy. Yeah, had. Jersey awesome. retired here in Buffalo, and I, very well deserved. I mean, I played 100%. with him, and very 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 well deserved. I mean, this guy yep. was was larger than life on and off the ice. I mean, I used to go yep. out. We used to go out to the bar together, and all the guys would be coming up to the players and everything, and you know, you know, they'd be circling us, and we, you know, it'd be. You know, sausage fest hanging around all you know all the boys, and I'd be like, "Hey guys, Ryan Miller's right there." <laughs> Whole herd of guys go over. <laughs> they leave all their girlfriends and everything, and there we are. We're just standing at the bar all by ourselves, you know, because all the guys are over. Strategic, strategic move right there. <laughs> Millsy still remembers that every single time. He'd be like, "Don't be telling people I'm here." People come up, they're like, "Hey, Peter's all Sabers." Da 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 da. Be like, "Hey, Ryan Miller's right there." They'd be like, "Ah, they'll fucking run away then." <laughs> Oh, awesome. yeah let's try let's do it then that's great awesome. all right man what's the website again tell everybody the website whiskeywild.com whiskeyinthewild.com whiskeyinthewild.com it's called the wilderness whiskey good for you man. congratulations on that yeah the wilderness whiskey we'll tweet it out again today or tomorrow and we'll get it get it going but um it's de- it's definitely worth worth the order that's for sure well I'm 10 years sober, so I'll take your word for it. Thanks, JR. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.